Good Friday. Make the world Feel Good Friday. Hey, hey, Steve Norris here. Welcome to Feel Good Friday, where every Friday we have a really short episode of just a few minutes sharing a story that you can listen to while you brush your teeth or have your morning coffee. And hopefully it'll make you smile or perhaps laugh or maybe even inspire you. But most importantly, we hope it makes you feel good. For this week's story, I'd like to feature an article I came across on bittersweetmonthly.com by its editor, Kate Schmidtgall, titled, Restoring Sight to the Blind Tens of Thousands of Times and Not Nearly Enough. The vast majority of blindness in the world is unnecessary, caused by cataracts, actually, and curable with a five-minute surgery. High costs kept the surgery out of reach for many millions until Nepalese ophthalmologist Dr. Sanduk Ruit saw differently and invented a way to cure blindness for the poor everywhere. This is the work of the Himalayan Cataract Project, the most inspiring, innovative nonprofit you've never heard of. In Ghana, more than half of the people who are blind are blind from cataracts. Zuburu is one of them. But in just two days on Tuesday, the 1st of October, Zuburu will receive back the site that cataracts covered. For two years, he has learned to navigate new darkness, reciting scripture from memory, recognizing people by their voices, and learning to be dependent for all the daily basics from dressing and eating to visiting friends, family, or the outhouse. Able to live well, but not able to afford a costly surgery at a private center, He, his wife, and six children thought he'd live out the rest of his days in darkness until Dr. Andrew came to Bajwazi and told him he wasn't blind. Dr. Andrew smiles. He's not blind, he just can't see. Opacities have developed on the lenses inside his eyeballs, preventing light from penetrating. Dr. Andrew, an optometrist from the Wattberg Eye Center, visited Zuburu's town several weeks ago to conduct an eye screening and identify all those with cataracts as candidates for surgery. Most heard about the eye screening through public announcements orchestrated by a young man named Jonica Akum. Jonica had seen his own father's sight restored a couple years prior and has since taken upon himself to dispel people's fears that the surgery won't work or worse, that the doctors will steal their eyeballs. Tuesday, we see the fruit of his labor as three vans arrive at the Wattborg Eye Center and 50 of his neighbors are led one by one to check in and wait their turn to see again. Zuburu and his youngest son, Baba Alidu, among them. Zuburu registers and receives a number. A nurse calls him back for an eye screening, then into another room to test the surface of the eyeball. He's led back to the waiting area, now with tape above the first eye to be operated on. He's given water to drink and drops in his eyes. He waits. He's called again and led back to the operating theater where Dr. Boteng Wiafe, a world-renowned surgeon, is scrubbing in. Located 50 kilometers straight west of Accra, the Wattberg Eye Center is state-of-the-art. Designed and built by Dr. Wiafe, a legend and a leading ophthalmologist in Africa. This week, as he has done hundreds of times before, Dr. Bo, as he prefers to be called, and his team are hosting a campaign to complete as many surgeries as possible for free. They turn no one away. Many people say in our language, it's better to die than to be blind. Dr. Bo pauses heavily. I've also known some patients who have taken their own lives, especially those with glaucoma. And so when there is an opportunity to make someone see again, I make it 
a priority. Having done this work since 1985 across much of the continent, it's life or death, he knows. Most cataracts are a result of age, but others can be the result of malnutrition, inadequate eyewear, and trauma. These causes more common in young people. Michael, for instance, is just 29 and was working behind the wheel of a Hyundai Mighty, a water tank truck, until a traumatic injury to his left eye led to blindness. At least I was seen with my right eye, he says. But three months ago, when I was driving, there was a car coming, and when the headlights were thrown on me, I couldn't see anything, so I swerved, not knowing there were four people coming in a queue. I almost killed four people. No longer able to drive, his future was dimming fast. A friend directed him to Alpha Eye Clinic in Medina, a not-so-nearby town on the other side of Accra. There, Michael learned what a cataract was and that the fix would cost him well over 1,000 CD, or 200 U.S. dollars, which he could not afford. Michael was desperate for healing, which Dr. Andrew could see in the way he pedaled his bicycle up to the ice screening in the town of Nianyano weeks ago. When he came, we were about to close, so we nearly left him out, remembers Dr. Andrew. I thought it was probably a normal eye, so I just examined quickly and hit go. But when I shined the light to see such an obvious cataract there, I was like, wow, this guy would have been really disadvantaged if we hadn't attended to him. Most of the time when you mention surgery, they kind of become reluctant, Dr. Andrew admits. But not Michael. He is smiling, knees bouncing. I want to be the first person to be there. He told me that I shouldn't worry. They will do everything for me. They're here to help us. Michael is one of a million new cases of cataracts that arise every year in Ghana. That's a million piled on top of 200,000 person backlog. To make a dent, the community of ophthalmologists needs to perform at least 20,000 cataract surgeries annually, a goal they've come close to only once in the past 10 years, and it wasn't recently. In Ghana, it's just a handful of ophthalmologists performing these surgeries in the rural towns. Those determined to use their skills where they're most needed with little regard for whether or not it makes them wealthy. You see, when someone is blind from cataract, especially those in the villages, they can't go to the farm, so they are not productive. Somebody has to sit with him or her. And then in Ghana, most people who are blind, you see them with school-aged children holding their hands, so the child stops school to take their grandmother or father to the hospital. So apart from the man who is not productive, the child who is leading them is going to be affected. So there is the need to ensure that we can tackle these cataract problems so that those who are in the active age can go back to school or work and be productive, explains Dr. Oscar Deborah, director of Himalayan Cataract Project in Ghana. Motivation? We only want to assist our people, says Jonica. If there is such an opportunity as this for my people to take advantage of, all that I can do is also help them to get the information. That is what motivates me, because if I don't get them informed, most of them will be living with blindness. Eliminate needless blindness, the three-word goal of Dr. Sanduk Ruit and Jeff Tabin when they co-founded the Himalayan Cataract Project in Nepal in 1995. It remains their goal today. Though the work has since scaled to include Ethiopia, Bhutan, India, Myanmar, Rwanda, and of course, Ghana. When they began, more than 70% of blindness in Nepal was caused by cataracts. All of that sight needlessly compromised and amidst such treacherous terrain, imagine. Though cataract surgery takes only minutes, the material cost put it well out of reach for the Nepalese, exceeding what most families earn in a year. 
The most expensive and most essential element is the intraocular lens, which replaces a person's natural lens. I won't explain how. You can YouTube it if you really want to know. But be prepared for a surprising and rather strong yank at one point. Dr. Ruit solved the cost problem by building a manufacturing facility in Nepal to produce high-quality intraocular lenses at just $4 per lens, rather unbelievable when the global alternatives were no less than $200. Dr. Ruiz's innovation made surgery and sight accessible for those he'd grown up with, those living a four-day's walk from the nearest road in the vast Himalayas. Now that the cost of surgery has dropped to a total and average of just $25, HCP has been able to scale cataract surgery, making it one of the most cost-efficient global health interventions ever. This is particularly true when holistic livelihood is considered and economic productivity is factored in, then multiplied by the number of family members no longer relegated to full-time care of their blind mother, father, aunt, uncle, slash sibling. Especially if you take the cost and the number of the hours or minutes that the doctor spends operating in theater, and then the next day the patient who is blind sees, and then about one week later goes back to work, says Dr. Deborah. Still, it has been increasingly difficult in recent years to attract global health funding that will help Ghana at least make a dent in their backlog. Most think that eye care is the least need. Why put their money there, asks Dr. Deborah, playing devil's advocate. If children are dying of malaria, women are dying of pregnancy-related deaths and hypertension, HIV and all of those things, obviously, they would shift the money to where it is needed. And then the doctors who have given the money for TB, for malaria, for HIV, they expect to see results. So people are concentrating on that. I, yes, it doesn't kill people, so who bothers? Point made. But it's clear in Ghana, Ethiopia, Bhutan, India, Myanmar, Rwanda, and Nepal that site restoration does save lives and builds families, communities, and countries. Yes, we are doing well, but not well enough to clear the huge backlog that we have, says Dr. Deborah. It is sight, yes, but also surgery. A strange sense of fear and anticipation is mixed in with all the blue and orange plastic chairs scattered around the waiting area. Those with tape above their eye await the operating table. Those with patches patiently await post-op. Emerging with a patch over one eye, Zuburu is led back to the waiting room where he is reunited with Baba, his son, who helps with the mackerel and macaroni lunch that's been provided. His and all the other patches will be removed first thing tomorrow. The morning after the surgery, when you open the patches on eyes and you see some of the patients excited, that is wonderful, says Dr. Deborah. This week, he and the staff enjoy that moment nearly 400 times, including twice with Zuburu. What I am looking to get out from the operation is to have my sight back and be able to see my family, see my wife and children. That's all, says Zuburu. The women are particularly expressive when their patches are removed. Emily Tovika can't wait to go to church Sunday to testify and happily points out the colors on my shirt. Her joy is a welcome encouragement to those still waiting, either with patch or tape. Today, she can see colors and in coming weeks, her vision will sharpen slowly, slowly. Every other sentence, she pauses to sing a song of thanks. According to Dr. Deborah, there are about 92 ophthalmologists in Ghana, including retirees and those working in administrative roles. Half are in the greater Accra region, a quarter each in Kumas, Ashanti region, and the final quarter spread throughout the country. Most regions have only one ophthalmologist, 
and they're in the regional hospitals or in their own private hospitals. So they don't serve the needs of the majority of the people in the community. Their mind is only on making their money, he says. Yes, there is so much money in ophthalmology if you set up in the city where people can afford it, says Dr. Bo. But I thought if it wasn't for the facility where my grandmother went, I'm sure she would have died blind. So I just needed to give back to the community. And that's it. And give back he has tens of thousands of times since his professional beginning in the early 80s. When I graduated, I got a service request to go to Zambia because they were so needy. I was one of the only eight ophthalmologists in the country over a very long period of time, he says. I've not lacked anything from doing good to people. That's my calling, I think. I dream about eyes. I everything about eyes, Dr. Bo smiles humbly. Never in my life have I met a man who leaves restored sight in his wake sustainably and generously everywhere he goes, and he keeps going wherever the need is with a humble spirit and a smile. As far as I'm concerned, he is a hero. I've been with him through thick and thin and on horrible roads and up and down. For me, I think he's a hero. If this story made you feel good or inspired you, we ask that you share this episode with a friend. Give us a five-star rating and write a quick 30-second review on Apple Podcasts as that helps us spread good vibes and get the word out to more good humans. If you have a great Feel Good Friday episode idea, please shoot us an email at betterplaceprojectpodcast at gmail.com and it may just end up on the show. For behind-the-scenes info, please visit our website at betterplaceproject.org and on Instagram at betterplaceproj. I will be back next Tuesday and every Tuesday with another full format interview episode. And we'll see you here next Friday with a brand new edition of Feel Good Friday. Until then, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Feel Good Friday. Make the world.